Hubhopper Originals. Hello friends, welcome to the podcast Executive Mom Stories. This is not an ordinary business podcast, but this show is with ordinary people who are making an extraordinary efforts, the working moms who are juggling to keep a balance at work and home. Today on Executive Mom Stories, Abigail Shapira and I found myself just pushing through um how tired i was or pushing through the the disorientation and getting more done as a mother than i got done as a a non-parent and um that surprised me very much um but it was just like okay you you no longer have a choice just get get it done get home to your kid so that's a huge motivator and um I I think I'd rather look at at the positive side of that in that respect. Abigail Shapira is spokesperson Embassy of Israel in India. She came to India in July 2016. She has done her graduation in political science and English literature from Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Let's listen about her diplomatic career journey and experiences as a mother in a foreign country. Hi Abigail, welcome on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? We're doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. And how are you doing? We are fine. Fine. I'm glad to hear it. Good. In India, we are in lockdown for last 60 days. How it had been for you? I think it's been as challenging as it has been for everyone here in India. Um, you know, I've been through lockdowns 1, 2, 3 and 4 with everyone else, uh, staying home. um obviously working at the embassy means that i did have to arrive at the embassy even under the strict lockdown but even that uh was very different we've been in two teams minimal staffing only about twice a week uh so it's been a very weird experience challenging experience and uh of course working from home has suddenly made it possible to work 24/7 uh boundaries of uh, work and home are almost non-existent so it's been um it's been a, a very challenging time through which i've learned a lot about our capabilities as people as human beings and myself as a mother and a professional and how are things at back at home oh well you know i have a i have an almost 2 year old son um whose friends are no longer here in india they're all in israel and he's he's losing his mind slowly and uh, we are with him as well um but it, you know you do what you can he gets more screen time he gets more parent time and uh and we try to get, have the best of all worlds as much as possible You said you learned some new capabilities during the lockdown you came to new what were those capabilities like in terms of your working capability or interaction with other team members what are those I think it's been um how quickly we can adapt to new situations um I think the diplomatic profession has always been a little bit 24/7 it's not that I ever had a job that was strictly 9 to 5 to begin with. Um not to mention that even when I did go to the embassy before COVID, I would stay way well past time, sometimes until 6, sometimes until 7. Uh not when I had a child, but you know, it, it's something that happened in the past. But the fact that we we sat down to work with our kid on my lap 
Um, and you, you're working through uh, cooking, you're working through cleaning, you're working through uh, it at all hours of the night, and it just becomes, in a way, what, what people keep saying, a new normal, where you realize that you don't necessarily have to be in the setting of your office in the building, you know, in the setting that you have to reach the same results and sometimes even more results because, again, you don't have to fold up all of your things and head home at a certain point. Um, if you could just go do whatever you need to do at home, come back, sit back down and get things done. So uh, it's, it's just learning that uh, no matter how challenging and difficult this situation can be and life can be and all these curveballs, um, you can still find a way to to grow and adapt through them. And definitely our children are saying hello to our office colleagues through video conference. They yes. are meeting them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I try, even on social media, you know, I try not to show my, my son's face too much on social media because he hasn't made that choice yet to go public. Um, but I have been taking photos of him where you don't see his face where he's, you know, writing a little bit on a sign for the lockdown to support the lockdown or, um, sitting with me at uh, the computer or, or on the couch on the first day of, uh, lockdown, all these things to show that, yeah, I mean, we're all human. And I think it's something that we, we saw a little bit in the recent years that the focus on, yes, we're working people and we're professionals, but we're also family people. Um, that's been happening, but, but COVID really brought that out to front where you, you're able to say, yes, I'm working and a parent at the same time. Here's my child. You can literally hear him, see him, feel him a part of my daily work activity. Um, and that's, I, I mean, it has its beautiful moments too, I think. And COVID has accelerated all those things which we were doing Absolutely. slowly. It has Absolutely. Uh, Post-COVID, how do you see diplomatic relations? Will there be any new shift in your working, in your interaction with uh, your home country and the country where you are posted? Well, I think that what you just said, that uh, COVID kind of just accelerated a lot of processes that we were already going through. Um, the same is th- with uh, diplomacy. Uh, we're seeing a big, big rise in digital diplomacy, which has already been, uh, you know, a, a tool that we've used and the focus and its importance have been growing steadily for some time now. But now that literally everyone is sitting uh, at home on their couch, on their phone or in front of their computer, um, everyone's looking to connect online. And that's a huge, huge opportunity for what we call public diplomacy. So public diplomacy is just generally this conception that you don't need to only have relations on the bilateral governmental level in order to strengthen relations between two countries. You, you would need to also look at the public at large, at NGOs, at individuals, at groups, at uh, students, um, at, at the business community, on really every level of society. And social media has really been a huge part of, of reaching out to those communities, especially now. So it's become from a tool to really a platform. It's where we hold webinars. It's where we have discussions. We hold polls, quizzes. Uh, we really open a, a very... Um, very broad and very deep dialogue with the country, with the people in the country, 
even if we can't meet them in person. And that's a big advantage, I think. Definitely. Other than the government circle, if you interact with the people, you come to know the culture, the yeah, way you of learn, life. You, you learn more, that's true. And, and more that you become more effective in bridging between the two cultures. You know, if I'm uh, playing Holi in Delhi and it reminds me of... Uh, Purim masquerades in Jerusalem and I can bring that to light and talk about it, then people will say, oh, please tell me more about Purim in Israel. It, it really, like, thank you for respecting our culture, for respecting our traditions, being a part of that. Um, now, please, I want to do the same for you. And and that's really the best thing that we can do as diplomats, just bringing people closer together, because, you know, that means that no matter what happens in the future, uh, be it uh, things like COVID or, or global warming and all the way to just a change of, uh, change of leaders, the government level um, won't be the only factor in the, in the relations. You really have a people beneath them that are supportive, that are pushing, that are growing the relations on their own. And that that's a very important part as well. Let's travel four years back. Yes. In, in 2016, when you came to know that your posting will be in India and you will be moving there. So what was your first reaction to that? And is there any change what you assumed and now you have uh, almost spent four years in India? Um, first of all, I can't believe that it's been four years. It feels like yesterday and um, 20 years ago at the same time. Uh, funny how perception of time changes. Um, I have to admit that before my posting to India, I had no idea about anything about India. Um, I didn't know. I, did, I hadn't read about it. It wasn't on my radar uh, I am a huge, huge Anglophile. I did my um, my uh, BA in political science and English literature. So for me, it was always, you know, Europe, UK, Britain. Uh, um, I, I never really looked East in general. And to the extent that I was sitting on the plane um, from Mumbai to Delhi, at the time there were no direct flights to Delhi, and I was sitting next to a, a Jane gentleman, and he looked at me like I was crazy because I was sitting there with a printed out Wikipedia um, uh, entry on India because I, I it was that it was to that extent. I really felt like I had no knowledge whatsoever. And he looked at me and he said, but why, why are you reading this? You're obviously Indian because I look apparently very Punjabi. I've been told so many times. <laughs> right. And I, I laughed and I said, well, thank you very much for the compliment, but this is literally the, my first time to India. Um, and, and we both laughed about it and then we ended up having a wonderful conversation. So it, it was, I, I arrived very much a clean slate. Um, I had, very few expectations. My mother had been to India um, a few years uh, prior to that. She told me I would love Delhi because to her, it reminded her a little bit of kind of this British colonial style in certain parts, the parts that she saw. And um, I actually fell in love with it for its Indian charm and not the British part, which is... Uh, you know, the people, the people, I have to say, that's the biggest part between India and Israel, the warmth, the genuine kind of chemistry and and just mutual love and appreciation for one another. That's something that I've never experienced everywhere, anywhere, anywhere else. Um, 
And just the the joy of it, the fact that like like uh, in the Jewish faith, there are seventy holidays throughout the year, and celebration. Everything is a cause for celebration. Everything is a cause for a big meal or exchange of sweets or um, just time to celebrate with one another. And uh, and and I think that's really my what I take away from India. Um, that's the biggest thing, and obviously I. I was fortunate beyond belief to be part of three huge historical visits uh, from the president of Israel, Ruvi Rizlin, here in India, to Modi in Israel, and then Netanyahu here in Delhi. Um, I, was, I was literally given a chance to be a part of history, and uh, that's something I'm taking with me for a long time. And definitely, I am thankful for my Indian fellows to make you feel comfortable at home. Oh, absolutely. More than comfortable. I think I'm going to stay in touch with almost all of the people I've met here. They're friends for life. You know, they're not just intellectual people that are really fun to talk to or very warm and caring people. They're, they've really become friends, which is wonderful. So as a diplomat, you have to keep moving throughout your career. Yes. Sometimes locations are difficult, may not be like India, there may be some tough locations for you. And you are always away from your hometown and people. So despite knowing this and being a woman, why did you choose this? That's a great question. Um, first of all, I'll start and say that uh, quite a few people consider India to be a, a difficult posting. Um, I think that by choosing uh, to, to stay here an extra year uh, to a total of four years, I've kind of proven that it's, it's not necessarily that hard. Um, but it's, I think the, the, the profession comes with a lot of uncertainty, but at the same time, it's, it's extremely rewarding, especially to me. Um, as some of the listeners might have guessed, I, I have a little bit of background living in the U.S. Um, when I was about six years old, we moved to California. My dad did his postdoc at Stanford University. And so for very, very influential years in my life, I lived in the States four years, same amount as I've been in India. And they've, you know, really shaped me to who I am today. Um, and, and that person is someone who is very, very attached to Israel, uh, extremely Zionist, very, you know, patriotic. I want to serve my country. I want to make sure that it exists tomorrow. Um, and, and at the same time, this strong connection to the world, to living abroad, living in different places, uh, and talking to people who don't know Israel about Israel. It's a passion. So when you put all of that together, the, the only logical, um, conclusion for me was to join the ministry. I, I, Literally couldn't imagine doing anything else throughout the entire process that I tried to get into the cadet course at the ministry. Um, and I don't regret it for a second. I, I just hope that when my son and hopefully children look back, um, at their childhood and they would have lived, you know, in at least India and many more countries, uh, that they'll see it as a gift, that they'll see it as something that makes them more interesting, more open, more worldly, and um, that they they feel that it was worth it in the long run. And definitely your son will be a global citizen by the time he's an adult. I don't think he'll have much of a choice, but yes, <laughs> that that's likely where we're headed. So how was your transition from being a working woman 
then to a working mom and that to in a foreign country definitely you had made yourself comfortable by the time but then away you are away from your home country you are your people your parents how was that uh, experience um well it's interesting because my my son was born right in the middle of my posting in india um i arrived in july 2016 he was born july 2018 and uh, we'll be finishing our posting in in August 2020. Um I really feel like I had two postings. There was the one where I was alone for six months and then with my husband who joined me a little later. Um and then there's the one where I was also a mother and obviously it comes with challenges. Uh Anyone who's been a parent knows the sleepless nights, the loss of, of focus sometimes, uh having to split your attention, um wanting at a certain point to cut the day short and you know go and spend it with your child and you can't like other mothers can sometimes even people who work at the embassy who are not uh, diplomats. Um but I think that it's also made me a more professional, more effective diplomat because I no longer had the option like I said earlier to stay past 6 7 um I it wasn't like I could arrive anytime stay as late as I need to finish something uh there's a point where you have to go home you have to bathe the kid you have to finish the work day and I found myself just pushing through um how tired I was or pushing through the the disorientation and getting more done as a mother than I got done as a a non-parent and um that surprised me very much um but it was just like okay you you no longer have a choice just get get it done get home to your kid so that's a huge motivator and um i i think i'd rather look at at the positive side of that in that respect what are your key takeaways being a working mom and culturally what would have been different if you would have been in your home country in israel well i have to say that being in india i mean yes obviously we miss our parents very much and um also in israel like in india grandparents are very involved in in upbringing and they're part of uh they're part of the child child's life in a very close way um but but we do have domestic help in india which i cannot state how helpful and how critical it is to being able to really focus at work knowing that there's someone whom you trust to be with your child and you can sit at work and you can do your job and you don't have to constantly worry what's going on with uh with the child that's that's huge um and we our parents visited several times um and they came and they spent time with our son for limited amounts of time uh but we do we do miss that family time that family time that's beyond just being with the parents or with friends um holidays you know again india knows how to celebrate holidays in a family manner and we're very similar in that way and i guess we miss that part of our of our lives as well um but my my key takeaway from being a parent is is just trying to find the right balance it's trying to on the one hand be as professional as 
possible, as humanly possible, on three hours of sleep and, uh, you know, a million other things on your head when you're in the office. But then knowing to go home, set the phone down and take the time to be present with your child when you're eating dinner or when you're bathing uh, or putting him to sleep and just taking those moments separately. Um, that's, I think, something I'm constantly working on. I don't think I've achieved it quite yet, but it's something that I know I, I strive for and I want to reach that correct balance. Um, but I'm still, you know, as professional as I can be, but still a mother. And many more things uh, as your son grows, you can take from him the ne- best negotiation skills he will teach you as a parent. The kids will teach us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. We're still waiting for him to start speaking, but I, I have a feeling we'll regret that at a certain point. As a diplomat uh, has to be jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. How do you keep yourself updated in terms of all the things you need? How, uh, in terms of reading, in terms of uh, social media, how do you do that? Ah, that's a good question. How indeed? Um, I, I, I do my best. Again, it's a, it's a question of balance. There are going to be days where I spend all day on social media. Just, you know, uh, it's practically all I do. There are days where I sit and I write reports. So I'm reading newspaper clippings and articles and research papers and uh, going through as much as I can. There are days where um, I I accompany our cultural attaché and we work on something and we go we, we go through this film and that film trying to decide what the right one is. There's I think it's just a mix and it's really um, sometimes it's under your control and you can say, okay, this is how I plan out my week. On this day, I will be doing this and on this day, I will be doing that. Some days you're able to do a little bit of everything and then some days just one thing takes over and there's really nothing you can do to control it. You just have to deal with it. And um, it's, uh, I mean, I think like everyone in every profession, you could always be reading another book and something that could make you better and taking another class. And there's always more to be done. But then it brings back the question of balance. Do I do I do only this? Do I do only this aspect of my job, the one that I like or the one that I don't like? Um, and the, the only answer in my eyes is to try and do as much as you can of as many things as you can and try to make sure that you're not neglecting any one side. I think that would that would be my kind of approach to it. Yes, definitely. Any single part should not be left out uh, yes. so, so that you are obsolete in that aspect. Yes. Which is your favorite Indian movie? Oh, wow. Um, it's really hard <laughs> to tell. I'll go with the one I've watched the most amount of times and I could still watch again tomorrow if you ask me, and that would be Padma Vath. Um, I just love, love, love the visuals and the music. It's just, there's something really, really moving about that, uh, that film. Um, my husband's is, is by far three idiots. He's, he always says, let's watch three idiots again. Let's watch three idiots again. Um, so, you know, it, it, I, I guess it's just, uh, I never really got over the beautiful experience I had in the theater with Padmavat, and so I'm really happy to watch it again, again, and again. You love to cook. Which is your favorite <laughs> Indian cuisine? Oh, wow. Um, I 
think my favorites are um, either Palak Panil or um, Malai Kofta. I'm I'm more of a dairy kind of person, even though I'm trying to avoid it. It's those are my two weaknesses for sure. So can we say now you you prepare it yourself? And to what level you have used uh, in terms of expertise? <laughs> no, so I haven't actually tried my hand at either of those. Um, I've become a great critic. Uh, I, I could say if there's too much ginger in one or or cardamom in the other, uh, but I have not had the the courage yet to try and make it myself. Maybe when I go back to Israel and I miss it too much, that's when I'll I'll be forced to try it on my own. Definitely, and we can send it to you in yes, any, any possible way. In any possible way, I would be more than happy to welcome food or even you in Israel at any time. Thank you for that, Abigail. Any message for working women as you bring yourself with yourself a culture from different country, and we in India, you must have seen in last four years. different colleagues from indian industry different different industries media or diplomats how do you see that and what will be your message for working women well first of all i have to say i am in awe of a lot of women who i've met here in india very strong professionals brilliant women um and with them also i've always heard this kind of uh how to balance family and work um I I guess my my message if I if I had to pick one that I haven't already said would probably be not to um not to change too much who you are in order to please whoever it is that you're trying to please in in your career um because at the end of the day we're what makes us special as individuals not just as women and not just as mothers is is our own personality our own capabilities um and i'd really you know i can't imagine a world without the different women that i've met here uh if they had all tried to conform to a certain prototype of of what a working woman should be what a professional woman is um i think we'd lose out on a lot of color a lot of brilliance and um a lot of extra how you say garam masala in the world you know and uh so that's i think that's something i'm still learning for myself and i i hope that other women take that as well definitely you cannot please everyone you cannot make everyone happy at one point you have to be yourself Definitely. um yeah i just that's something that i i'm sure many women especially young women in in the professional careers are are still learning every day right right abigail yeah. thank you very much for taking out time thank you thank And you so much we will be definitely love to talk to you when you are in another country Yes. yes, and I look forward to hearing more of your podcasts. I I hope to take some of those lessons with me wherever I go. Thank you from my side and from you can say from fellow Indian sides. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you for having me on the show. Take care. Thank you. Goodbye. Hello working moms. We don't always get what we desire for. Master as many skills as possible and make the most of every day. We would love to hear from you. For any feedback or to be guest on our show, you can reach us at exemomstories at gmail dot com or on our Facebook page. 